Welcome to the Shepherd's Pie, a slice of hope to raise faithful kids, where we focus on topics that impact young people today. I'm Antony Barone Kolenk. I'm a father of five who served in the Air Force for 21 years. I'm now a law professor and a columnist for Practical Homeschooling Magazine. I'm also the author of The Harwood Mysteries, an inspirational medieval fiction series for kids aged 10 and up. Here on The Shepherd's Pie, we want to inform, inspire, and help you raise happy, healthy, faithful kids, whether you're a parent, a grandparent, a pastor, anyone. In today's episode, we talk about discussing with teens the issue of gender roles, and more particularly, the role of women. My guest is Jess Corban, a Christian author whose series, Naday Rising, from Tendale House Publishers, explores the delicate issue of what it means to be men and women, and it explores it in the setting of a dystopian future society where women have gentled their men. And in the entertainment review segment of the show, I review the Christian movie, Redeeming Love. Over the past few years, the Me Too movement has brought to center stage the chronic age-old issue of how men treat women. We've seen horrible instances of sexual harassment, sexual assault, sometimes from the most unlikely places, including some of our family-friendly celebrities who we thought we knew and trusted. We've also seen a major push in the mainstream media to discuss what does gender even mean? How do we integrate some of these modern discussions about gender with some of the texts we read in the Old Testament, such as in the book of Genesis, where it says that God made us in his own image as male and female? In fact, what is the proper role of men and women in this world of ours? Is everything that we heard growing up simply a sexual stereotype that needs to be discarded in today's discussion? I've grown more sensitive to this issue as I've been writing my own fiction because in my Harwood Mystery series, I have two female characters, Lucy and Christina, who play center stage with my male protagonist, San. Now, it takes place in 12th century England, so I'm on pretty safe ground when it comes to gender roles because medieval gender roles were quite well defined, and unfortunately for women, their choices in that society were quite limited. But I have Lucy and Christina, who I, as a man, am writing into various situations, putting words in their mouth, all the while realizing that these girls are serving as potential role models for some of my female teen readers. Lucy often sees the world through heaven's eyes, while Christina is much more worldly, yet there's so much more to both of them than just their outward beauty, even though that might be what many in medieval society would see when they looked at them. This is a sensitive topic, and it's growing more sensitive every year, but my guest in the interview segment, Jess Corban, is no stranger to this topic. She's written several nonfiction books to help especially teenage girls. And her debut fiction novel, A Gentle Tyranny, helps readers to explore this very topic in the context of a very original and interesting dystopian future. I'm here today with Jess Corban, a Christian author of 12 nonfiction books, which she wrote under various pseudonyms. 
as well as several fiction novels, including her Nade Rising series, which we'll be discussing today. She graduated college with a degree in communications. She lives with her husband and her two daughters in the Sierra Nevada mountains of California. And her novel, A Brutal Justice, is the second uh, novel in her Nade Rising series. Jess, so nice to have you on the show today. Thanks so much for having me, Tony. I'm excited. So you have an interesting background here in that before you ever started writing fiction, 12, I mean, 12 nonfiction books, that's a lot of nonfiction. Could you, <laughs> how did that come about? Yeah, that's a long story. I mean, it started with a, a chance job at a publishing company and started as an editorial assistant and uh, have always loved writing, um, even in you know grade school and high school, loved writing into college. So it really is a, a dream come true to be able to write. But the nonfiction books were really out of a passion to see teen and college age girls thrive. I've written a number of books on guys and relationships and beauty and body image and all of those. And the fiction series is really a, a passion project that I didn't see coming. <laughs> so you're writing, even in your nonfiction books, it does sound like you're focused on some of the same issues and themes that you take up in the Nade series. Why the pseudonyms? Are you are they Christian books? Are they uh, written from a non-Christian sure. perspective? Yeah, yeah. So uh, in nonfiction, I write under my given name, Jesse Manassian. Uh, I have a website called lifeloveandgod.com for teen and college age girls. The pseudonym is uh, partly because, you know, when you're changing genres, you want your readers to know what to expect. So it is very different. The fiction series is very different from what I've written before. And then part of it was, you know, we were uh, hoping this series would cross over into the general market as well. And so just wanting to really create a distinction there. And also, I mean, who doesn't love a pseudonym? I mean, a pen name is kind of an author's dream, right? <laughs> yeah, I tried it. I tried it once. I tried, uh, since I didn't like my last name, Colank, I tried just my first and middle name, Anthony Barone. And uh, it just got so awkward after a while. I was like, why am I even doing this? So I just, <laughs> I ditched it and just went with Tony Colank. All right. So you clearly focus, especially on teen girls and issues related to that. And somehow this carries into your Nade series. Tell us a little bit, what is the Nade series? Nade Rising series started with a question. I was just hearing such an influx of news stories, crimes against women, the Me Too movement. It was just very overwhelming. One, as a woman, two, as a parent of two now teen daughters, and as someone who works with teen girls on a regular basis. My heart was just breaking over it. And um, one day I was just wondering, like, what if we could do something about it? What would we do? What could we do? And that's how the series was born, was how far would women go to ensure their own safety? And so it tackles questions of, you know, do the ends justify the means? And I don't want to give away any spoilers in this story, but women create a world where men are gentled and, and they are safe but at what cost? So it's kind of how it all started. It wasn't me coming to this fiction project of, I have some moral ultimatums that I want to give. And so I'm going to write a fiction story about it. It was much more, you know, began with this question. And I wanted the themes to sort of rise to the surface naturally. So it's not a preachy book. It's not, you know, these are the things that you need to learn. It's very different from my nonfiction books. So when you talk about gentling, uh, that reminds me of gentling a wild Mustang you know, horse <laughs> to uh, domesticate it. Is the world that they create, is it a fantasy world? Is it on this planet? Is it just our world re-envisioned? 
Yeah, it's, it's a young adult dystopian, um, and it is set in a futuristic Central America. Um, there's some license taken with some of the geography, but it's uh, loosely based on the country of Belize and the surrounding areas there. But interestingly, I, w- I think most dystopians tend to focus on, you know, the advancements of technology. Whereas Naday, because it was founded by, you know, women who wanted things to be drastically different, they really take a step back technologically. And it's much more, you know, uh, living off the land, being in tune with nature. And so it is in the future, but it also feels a little bit in the past as well. I see. And how many books will be in the Naday Rising series? So A Gentle Tyranny is the first book. A Brutal Justice is actually the completion of the duology. And there is definitely room for some more books there if, <laughs> if we have reason to write them in the future. So clearly you're focused on gender issues, dealing with gender stereotypes, what I sometimes might refer to as the battle of the sexes. Is this an important issue for our young people today? And, and why do you see it that way? Oh, there's so much that we can unpack there. But yes, obviously, since the beginning of creation, we've had, you know, issues of gender equality and men ruling over women, women trying to rule over men, like just that constant tug of war. And my hope is that by the end of this series, you know, the big picture theme that shines through is that God designed us to need each other. And that when we work together, when we bring our unique strengths to the table, we can change the world. And that's a message that I don't think young people are hearing enough of. I feel like the pendulum tends to swing one way to another, you know, and right now we're seeing the pendulum swing toward women power, you know, women need to put men in their place, which isn't helpful either, right? Emasculating men isn't any better than women being dominated by men. I've noticed that Hollywood is really pushing women action heroes. Like I've never seen, like every movie now is like a woman action hero. And I I think it is tied into a definite intentional desire. It, It seems like they want women to be more violent or just viewed as more brutal. Yeah, I think there is that element of because in our culture, strength is viewed as like physical strength and even aggression is viewed as superior, then for women to be equal, they have to have equal amounts of strength and aggression. I wish that we could get to a place where the unique strengths that women bring to the table were highlighted as equal as well. So, you know, talking about nurturing and and skill and balance and all these things that are equally as valuable. So what age range would you recommend your Naday Rising series for? The series is geared for teens and young adults. The publisher is recommending 13 and up. Um, I have some junior hires who have loved it and, you know, some middle-aged men who have absolutely loved it. So I think it really does span um, a broad range. I would say anyone who's familiar with the Hunger Games or Divergent, um, sort of that genre, it kind of similarly spans a lot of different audiences. Especially, it sounds like you're focused on teenage girls as perhaps your main audience for this message. What do you see is going on with our teenage girls today? And and then how does this sort of assist them? I really believe a good story is an incredible tool to learn truth and how to interact with the world and to think about things in new ways. 
in a very gentle way, you know, through story, you don't even realize that you're understanding yourself better or the world around you better, even as you watch these characters go through their own battles. And Reina, the main character in the story is wrestling, not just with the issue of whether to let men be men, but also she's dealing with not understanding her mom and fighting with her mom all the time. And you know, her mom wants her to be a nurturer, a materno in their society. And she wants to be the Alexia, you know, which is the the peacekeeping force. You know, they ride horses and shoot arrows. They're pretty amazing. <laughs> and so, you know, wrestling with, you know, vocation as women, is it okay to want to nurture? Is it okay to want to have a career? Some of those things are, are layered in there. Um, sibling issues, friendship, figuring out who you are and and what matters to you. And when to stand up for the things that you believe in. So there's a lot packed into <laughs> packed into the series um, that I think really resonates, especially with that age range, because those are questions that they're wrestling with too. And what kind of feedback are you getting from your readers? Are they seeing the theme that, that you're really focused on and, and are they responding to that? Yeah, I've gotten some great feedback from fans of the series and also from trade reviews, Kirkus Reviews, Booklist Magazine, School Library Journal um, have all praised the writing, which is really important to me because I want I believe that uh, Christian fiction as well as general market fiction, it should all be done with excellence. I think one of the best compliments I can get as an author is that they're not talking specifically about the themes as much as I love the story. And obviously the issues of gender equality and some of those things, you know, come up more with, I would say the adult readers who, you know, are noticing that, Hey, this is great. This is different than what we're seeing in some of the rest of what our young people are being offered. So you're writing on gender equality issues at the same time as we see a major push to sort of question what is gender. And it seems like your your story is sort of focused on the, the traditional battle of the sexes, male versus female, male domination, this kind of thing. How does kind of this modern movement on gender interact with what you're doing in the story? I mean, does it does it have a place in the story anywhere? This was not intentional. I've been working on this series for four or five years now. So the conversations have really shifted in the last year or two, especially. But I have a suspicion that someone loves being a guy or loves being a girl. They're not going to be super interested in changing that, right? There's not as much of a draw to wonder what it would be like to be a man if I love being a woman. And so one of the sort of through the back door exploring, what does it mean to be a woman? Can we be strong? What are the gender stereotypes that we're living under that aren't necessarily biblical, but going back to how did God design women? How did God design men? And when we celebrate those strengths, I think that does impact the gender question. And what role does religion or the Bible or Christianity play in the day? Is it sort of just an undercurrent or do we literally have Christianity there? I tried to be really true to what it would be like if you had, you know, a group of women who were deeply hurt and wounded and bitter and angry beginning a new society. <laughs> and so in a day, anyone is free to practice whatever religion they would like to practice or not practice. We do see Raina's mother. There are hints that she follows the teachings of Christianity, and especially in A Brutal Justice, we see that her beliefs propelled her to take action in certain ways. And Raina just sort of is wrestling with it throughout the story. She sees her mother and her convictions and faith 
She also sees her grandmother, who's the matriarch of Nade, who doesn't have time for religion and feels that it's a weakness. And so Raina is kind of wrestling through those two things. But I think, you know, those of faith reading the story, I think will be very comfortable with where it goes. But it's also not off-putting to those who don't have the same religious beliefs that I do. All right. Tell us a little bit about your main character. What, what is it that makes her a strong woman? Yeah, I can give a little bit more of an explanation of what this series is about, too, hopefully without giving too many spoilers. But the the premise is that crimes against women get so bad in the future that they decide for their own safety and survival, they have to do something. So they create a vaccine that inoculates the baby boys against testosterone. So they create a world where men are gentled and the women have a matriarchy that rules the, the society of Naday. And men are, quote, freed to use their best gifts for women without women having to fear for their safety. So the story follows Raina, who's a 17-year-old girl who is trying to figure out what she wants to do with her life, which destiny she wants to pursue, which are the different occupations within Naday. And she unexpectedly gets thrown into a competition called the Succession to find out who will become the next matriarch of Nade. So part of the strength that we see in her is as she has to tackle these different challenges within this succession process and come face to face with injustices in Nade that she didn't know existed before that process. So we see physical strength in her, but also not unrealistic. It was very important to me that we not have female protagonists who can get out there and just <laughs> whip everybody's behind and, you know, not have any limitations. So we see physical strength, we see emotional strength, and she grows in her emotional strength and convictions over the course of the series. At the end of the series, what would you like your readers to take away from all of this? I really would love if they get to the end of the series and say, wow, that was a really good story. Because I think there is something really divine in a good story. But secondly, I do hope that they walk away going, wow, like God designed men and women to work together. He designed them with unique strengths that they both bring to the table to change the world together as co-image bearers of God. Yeah, that's beautiful. And that is something that is definitely getting lost in our understanding of gender and sex today. Do you have any advice for adults who are trying to talk to teenagers about these issues? Like, how do you even address these issues in a way that would be helpful and mentor them in the right way? I do have some advice, but I think probably the best place to go would be to lifelovingod.com. I have a lot of resources there for teens and for those who care for them. And also on my Instagram account for Jesse Manassian. So Jesse underscore Manassian.com. We can maybe put that in the show notes. Uh, there's also a free discussion guide, which we worked really hard on for book clubs, for classrooms, for homeschool groups um, that really help draw out some of the themes and get uh, readers thinking about things. Not just, you know, it's not a book report type discussion guide. Like it really is. How do we have conversations about some of these more difficult topics uh, in a constructive way? To not just enjoy the story, but to really dig a little bit deeper into some of the themes that are relevant to young adults today. It's encouraging readers to think about themes like, do the ends justify the means? Do you see our society mirroring some of the things that we see in a day and how? And when you are faced with injustice, how do we respond? Asking questions about family life and 
guy-girl relations as far as like that power struggle that we were talking about earlier and really, really helps them dig deeper. Because I have a passion for young adults in the nonfiction space, it sort of bleeds through in this discussion. All the things that I wish that I could get them thinking about in a very deliberate way. I was able to do um, more through the discussion guide um, rather than make the book kind of a preachy deal. Yeah, no, I love that. And that, I mean, I, I tried to do the same thing with my historical fiction too. It's like, you don't want to hit them over the head with it, but it would be neat for them in the context of the story just to reflect on that. And I think the issues that you particularly focused on um, are so needed today to be reflected on in a positive way and in a way that present values that I think you know, are, are more in tune with the truth uh, than perhaps what they're getting right now from the mainstream media. All right. So you've already given us a few websites to reach you. If, if folks want to get their hands on these books, where do they go? JessCorbon.com is the place to find out about the Nadei Rising series. There's the first three chapters of A Gentle Tyranny are there to read for free. So you can get a taste of the writing, see if it fits your style. So thank you so much for what you're doing here. and Thank you for, uh, for being on the show. Any parting words of advice for our listeners? Well, I'm guessing that if you're listening to the show, you care deeply about our young people. And I will steal a quote from someone else that I admire greatly, a man named Mark Gregston, who has a ministry called Parenting Today's Teens. And he always says, as long as you have relationship, you have influence. And so I think for so many of us, you know, who care about young people, we want to get them to buy into the truth and hold on to all those values that we're trying to instill in them in this moment. And it can be very frustrating when they seem to be pushing us or those values away. So I would encourage you that as long as you have relationship, you have influence. So focus on that relationship. You know, these conversations will come up. And if you talk with them with the end in mind, like I, I want to have relationship with my students when they're in their thirties and forties, that changes how we approach conversations today. Much less, I have things I need to teach you and more about, Hey, tell me what you think about this. No, I think that's great advice. When I think about how my wife, um, we have five kids and, and how she has grown her relationships with our kids throughout their whole lives. It really was that kind of a picture. And I'm not sure if that's one of these battle of the sexes kind of things. Maybe that's just more of a, a better female intuition, but it definitely, I've seen it throughout their lives and the influence that you can have on a lifelong level when the relationship is the focus, as opposed to whatever current issue or problem that you're trying to deal with or work right. through with the kid, you know, it's, it's much less important than the broader relationship. So definitely agree. Well, Jess, thank you so much for being on the show today. I've really enjoyed having you and thank you for writing a series like this in a, in a healthy, positive way that would get our kids thinking about this. No, well, thank you, Tony. It's been a pleasure to be with you. Thanks again. In our entertainment segment today, I review the movie Redeeming Love, put out by Universal in association with Mission Pictures International and a few other companies. This movie fits nicely into the theme of today's show, exploring the role of women both today, in fictional settings, in my medieval series, and here in the movie Redeeming Love during the California Gold Rush in 1850. And starring a fresh cast of new faces, Abigail Cohen in the leading role of Angel, and Tom Lewis as Michael Hosea. 
The movie is based on the best-selling novel by Francine Rivers, which I have not read, but which is a modern retelling of the Old Testament book of Hosea. Those of you familiar with that book will recall that the prophet Hosea was told by God to marry a prostitute named Gomer. Hosea falls in love with her, takes her to be his wife, and then is plagued by a series of heartbreaks and heartache over the course of their marriage as Gomer is unfaithful to him time and time again. And God was using Hosea's marriage to this unfaithful prostitute as an example of the Lord's marriage to his people Israel, who were also unfaithful time and time again, to illustrate his own heartache at the unfaithfulness of his people. The movie runs two hours and 14 minutes long, and it's very good. Very well acted, very well written, beautiful cinematography, and it tells a very powerful story that would be not only well received by older teenagers and college students, but that is also quite modern in some of its themes. It tells the story of Angel, who as a child is taken against her will into child prostitution. Angel grows up to be a prostitute, and you can see that she has no trust in humanity and no ability or understanding of how to love because of the way that she's been raised and treated as a sex object her entire life. We see that Angel has only one role that she's permitted, and that is the role of a prostitute. She has no other value in her own eyes, and as she says several times throughout the movie, she knows what she is, and she accepts who she is as a prostitute. But she is loved by a good Christian farmer named Michael Hosea, who seems perhaps almost too good to be true, but then again, he is playing the role of a parallel to God who is relentlessly faithful to his people. But Michael falls in love with Angel at first sight and wants to take her away from this life and make her a good farmer's wife with whom he can raise a family. The movie is interesting because it does touch on the area of gender roles, not only because of how women seem to be given very few possibilities even in the 1850s in California, and you do leave the movie thinking a little bit about what is Angel's proper role in this world. Clearly, it should be beside the man who loves her and is ready to give himself entirely to her and her happiness. I review the movie on this podcast because I think it would be a great movie for older teenagers and college students to see to help them recognize the beauty of a true loving relationship, a chaste relationship. But be warned, this movie is PG-13 for a reason. It has some surprisingly sexual scenes between Michael and Angel after they are married. Of course, there's no nudity, but it comes as close to nudity as you're probably going to see in any other faith-based movie. For a movie that helps to understand God's love for us and our love for each other as man and woman, I would highly recommend Redeeming Love for adults and older teenagers. That's all the time we have for the show today. We spoke with Jess Corban, a Christian author whose fiction series, Naday Rising, challenges teens to think about what it means to be men and women today. And I reviewed the movie Redeeming Love, a more modern retelling of the book of Hosea. Again, this is Anthony Barone Colank, and this has been The Shepherd's Pie.
If any of you listening today have a question for me or a topic you'd like to have us cover on the show, please drop me a line on my website at antonycolank.com. That's A-N-T-O-N-Y-K-O-L-E-N-C.com. Also, if you visit my website, you can learn more about my historical fiction series for kids, The Harwood Mysteries. I'll end, as always, with my wife's favorite scripture quote from Romans 8:28. We know that all things work for good for those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. May the Lord bless and keep you this week.